The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Save our wildlife, save the environment, save our world. It all starts with a little knowledge. Welcome to Our Wild World with Ellie Weiss. There is so much that's being done and can be done with help from specialists and marginalized community groups to you. We'll discuss the future of Africa, the wildlife, and the people, and show you how it affects the entire planet. Now, here is Ellie Weiss from the Wild Eyes Foundation. Good morning and welcome to Our Wild World. We've been covering lately the chaos and goings-on in Zimbabwe with the export, live export, of 24 elephants to China. This started back in November last year. We covered it with Joyce Poole when the elephants had just been taken from the wild. And then we covered it again with Damien Mander, who was hot on the spot and giving us information in Zimbabwe. And then over the past two weeks, we covered it with Nick Lynch. So we are opening the lid and hopefully opening the can for transparency and dialogue in Zimbabwe to try and get a handle on what's going on. There seems to be some underhanded goings on over there. And um, these 24 elephants is really just the tip of the iceberg of this live export of wild caught baby elephants into Chinese zoos. On a global scale, where we're really paying attention to elephants now, we're really understanding what captivity does to elephants, and we understand that poor captivity has tremendous effects on wild elephants' social behavior, psychic behavior, psychology, and their bodies. Elephants no longer, as in this world stage, belong in captivity, let alone in a country that does not have the same standards we do. China is becoming a global power, and they're taking wildlife. So today, my guest to talk about this export and this tip of the iceberg and bring up what's happening in Zimbabwe to help people understand the international implications and a better understanding of what's going on. My guest, my guest today is Jane High, and she's calling us in. She's calling into us today, direct from Zimbabwe. Welcome, Jane. Thanks, Ellie. Thanks for having me on your show. It's a pleasure. I'm very excited to talk. Maybe excited is the wrong word. I'm very interested and looking forward to being educated by you and a better understanding of the CITES permitting process. I realize you're not a CITES authority or expert per se, but you certainly know what's going on in Zimbabwe with the wildlife. So why don't we just get started? Why don't you give us a little bit of background about yourself, please? Okay, sure. Um, Ellie, thanks very much. Um, basically, I'm a Zimbabwean. I'm born in this country. Um, but my father was um, a carpenter, in fact, who worked 
at national parks way back in the 60s. And I was brought up in Wangi National Park when my father was a work supervisor when they were building all the accommodation for tourists way back when the park was first made into a, a game reserve. So as a child, I was brought, basically brought up in Wangi Game Reserve where these elephants have been taken from. So basically my background as a child was raised in, in this wild place and in amongst the people who were the people who started it as a national park, as a safe haven for animals. That was my, my upbringing. So when I first heard about the fact that they were capturing baby elephants in Wangi with the intention of sending them to zoos, I was, of course, very interested and extremely concerned. So that's basically where my background comes, you know, being involved in this in this whole issue of the elephants, Ellie. So you said Huangi began as a reserve, a game reserve. When did it become a national park? Well, it was basically um, in the 40s, um, but by, by the 1960s, they had started to uh, put some infrastructure in there uh, in terms of uh, having accommodation for tourists and uh, having what they called a main camp where uh, all the all the tourists who could come would would uh, arrive there and be registered and then go and pay their money to go in and see the wildlife so that was way back in the 60s and uh, in those days we didn't have uh, a huge population of elephants in that game park this is one of the issues that people don't understand is that there is a very large population of elephants now in Wangi, much larger than it was when I was a child. But this has happened because of a variety of reasons, um, one of which is that one of our management mechanisms was that we had a safe area for elephants, but outside of the national park, there were hunting concessions where if elephants did go out of the park and they they trashed people's fields or they were a big a big elephant uh, in an area which was given people had a hunting concession there you were allowed to shoot elephants in the area outside of the park and there, so basically my opinion is that, sorry no i would go ahead and then i have a question go ahead please continue sure so we, we our government has been saying and telling everybody that um, they've got to sell these elephants because there's too many in, in, in Wangi. Whereas worldwide, we know there's a huge drop-off in the number of elephants um, in Africa and in, in other areas of Africa, catastrophic decline in their numbers. Whereas in Wangi, we still do have a very big population and that population is too big for the park. That needs to be understood. And and that is in that context that we should have this discussion. So, um, a little background: Where do the elephants? Where are they? Where were they coming from? To in and out of Huangi? What is the migration corridor there? That that you've got All right. a, a larger um, population these, of elephants now than you did. Yes. Um, this population of elephants in Wangi is it belongs to a, a meta population, a very big population, which includes the uh, Botswana. And they would move backwards and forwards to Botswana and back to Zimbabwe, depending on the seasons. 
But because we then put in these hunting concessions all around, and it became there's been a lot of human, obviously, encroachment in these areas since the 60s. Our population has grown hugely. The elephants were no longer able to pass through to their normal feeding grounds uh, as they were perhaps in those 60s, in, in, in the time when uh, there were not so many people around these parks. So now they've been constricted in where they can go. And the population cannot disperse in the normal way. So we have got a very big population in Wangi. And uh, it's a very dry area. So they are struggling for food. In particularly dry area, in dry years, they die of hunger. Now, this is the background to, to why I think our government feels that it's a good idea to send these elephants elsewhere. But, of course, for those of us who love and understand elephants, we are horrified at the thought that you would take young elephants from their family, um, from Wangi, and put them on a plane and send them to a zoo in China, where they're going to stand in a concrete area and not be able to live any sort of life socially or be able to uh, have any of their natural behaviors that they would have had so we don't think that is the, the solution. So this brings us to the crux of this conversation. We have an overpopulated air, an, an elephant overpopulated area that's been constricted. We have too many elephants in an area. We do have land outside. There is a migration corridor to Botswana and there's um, hunting concessions. And so some could say, okay, at least the elephants are alive. They're not being killed, but nonetheless, they're being ripped from their families, from the wild, and being sent into captivity. So this brings us to the crux. We've got too many elephant elephants. Zimbabwe has taken the road to export live elephants in a modern-day world, 2015, where the rest of the world is saying this is no longer appropriate. So what you're helping us understand, Jane, is there are other alternatives, that Zimbabwe is not a poor country, that it... It's fallen off in terms of its wildlife management. Corruption has gotten bigger. If we want to go into that, we can. We spent some time with that with Nick um, over the past couple of weeks. But And we're going to be going forward in terms of what wildlife security means for both people and wildlife. But what we're talking about here is there are alternatives opposed to shipping off elephants into zoos. So why don't you help us understand what sort of went off the rails here, um, sort of finagled or I'm going to use the word maybe not clear permitting process between Zimbabwe and China. There's some other things going on behind the scenes that um, Zimbabwe is maybe candy coating uh, regards to this export of elephants and using this excuse of too many elephants, let's get rid of some and some of the alternatives, such as transparency, a wildlife authority that veterinarians and understanding the elephant population. So why don't you go on with that for a little bit? Okay. Um, I, think, I think we need to all be very clear here that this is a question of money. These elephants are valuable. They are valuable to the Chinese, and Zimbabwe has got a growing relationship with the Chinese the Chinese can buy as many elephants from Zimbabwe as we can supply. 
and they pay a lot of money for them. And our government cannot understand that the ethics of this sending these elephants to zoos perhaps would be uh, more important than being able to earn in the region of 40 to 60,000 US dollars per animal. What I'm trying to explain is that the damage done to the reputation of our National Park Authority, which historically is one of the best in the world, and the damage done to our tourism, which also Zimbabwe, if, if, if you talk to anybody who has been a visitor to our country, they will tell you what a beautiful and amazing country we have. But the damage done by the sale of these elephants is immense to the reputation of our country and to the reputation of our national parks. And trying to explain to these people that this short-term amount of money that they're getting for 24, well, it's actually 200 elephants, is minuscule compared to how much we're going to lose in terms of jobs and in terms of uh, our tourism for the long term for Zimbabwe. So what we're talking about, okay, a lot of money, and this is the thinking that if it pays, it stays, or if it pays, it will go. And um, there's an avenue for people who want to take elephants into captivity. So let's talk a little bit. We've got a, a few minutes here until our first break. Um, this reputation of Zimbabwe. Back in the 60s, Zimbabwe was like the breadbasket of Africa. It was incredibly well managed. As you'd said, you have incredible wildlife authorities. You have amazing, intelligent wildlife management people. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll put culling of elephants as a management tool off to the side for a minute. Um, we've learned a lot about that, even in Zimbabwe, about removing family herds versus picking off individuals and taking babies and putting them into the zoo stream international. That That's kind of historical. We got away from that. So what happened in Zimbabwe between the 60s and now that it tanked? We don't have to get into the whole political, but what happened that this has been chosen as the avenue? Well, it's a very long, complicated story. Um, but, you know, basically we've got um, a group of people who are in charge who have looked at every, have, have looked at every other avenue of making money. Um, you know, the farms are now pretty much, we, as you said, we are no longer a breadbasket. Um, we had a huge diamond find, and now apparently, you know, we haven't seen the benefits of that because we've got uh, tremendous social problems and poverty in Zimbabwe, even though we had apparently found all these enormous diamonds. But basically, the elephants are the new diamonds. Um, let's, let's just agree that even in the 60s, we were sending elephants. We sent elephants to American zoos in the 60s when we were culling. Some of the babies that were that they they were rescued from the cows when when the whole herd was shot and killed, and they would take the babies. Some of the zoos uh, zoos that are the elephants you're seeing in zoos now are ex Zimbabwean babies. But since then, we've learned a lot about the fact that elephants are not suitable for zoos. Zoos are simply not suitable places for elephants, and particularly wild elephants. Um, we've got plenty of zoos that are having to swap and swap little male elephants that were born in a zoo. There's nowhere to put those. No one wants a young male elephant. 
And, and yet we are ripping these wild creatures out of the last few remaining wild places and, and training them, taking them seven months to stand in a pen so that they can learn enough about humans that they're not going to die of shock when you put them on a plane. And this is just, it's just about money. And our government needs money. And they can't understand why we're all shouting blue moon. This is, about it. This is fact, the, we've been sending elephants to American zoos for years and years. And this right here is the crux of this conversation. We have to break away um, here shortly, but what we're talking about is this is a modern world. We have data, we have understanding, we have scientific knowledge of what and who elephants are. They are critical landscape architects. They're continent-shifting migratory animals. They require a lot of space and a lot of food. We need to find a way as a human species, one of millions on the planet, to coexist with the largest terrestrial mammal rather than kill them off. So we're going to pick this conversation up. Uh, Stick with us with my guest, Jane High, and we'll be right back. Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. The way we do banking today continues to evolve. No longer is it just brick-and-mortar locations or traditional bankers' hours. Today, banking is 24-7. It's in the home. It's on the go. It's digital. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how traditional banking as we know it has changed due to a loss of trust, changing economic conditions and consumer behavior, government involvement, and, of course, technology. What does it all mean? Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you love to travel? Now, that's a silly question, isn't it? Who doesn't love to travel? Join Lindsay T. Boyd, a.k.a. the Dreamweaver, for Travel Time. A professional travel agent, Lindsay will spotlight the world of travel. From maps and other travel tools to make your trips easier, to your rights as a passenger, to different aspects of travel, such as sports, faith, or experiential vacations. Travel Time with Lindsay T. Boyd, Dreamweaver, airs live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. 
You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. Welcome back with my guest, Jane Hi, This is Ellie Weiss in Our Wild World, and we're talking about elephants in 2015. Uh, during the first section, we covered a little bit of Jane's background and that the global eye is on elephants. We're losing them. They are at the tipping point. What we need to understand is individual nation states across Africa don't all have the same population of elephants. Elephants move. Some countries have more elephants like Botswana, uh, Zimbabwe, and Tanzania. And we're going to get into later in this program the a bit about CITES. And later in a couple of weeks, we're going to actually have a conversation about CITES itself. But what we need to understand is elephants are listed as both Appendix 1 and Appendix 2. Appendix 2 means they can be traded. Appendix 1s, they are endangered and threatened and should not be traded. And then we get into the whole ivory discussion, which we're not going to really cover today. So Zimbabwe is faced with too many elephants in this particular park, Wangi, where my guest Jane grew up. So Zimbabwe has decided to take the tack of, oh, we need money. Elephants are valuable. Put a value on elephants. Uh, uh, including that that includes their ivory as they get older older and send them off to China and send them into zoos, which we now know is not the place for elephants. So Jane, let's get a little bit into this um, misuse of CITES um, and the ability that CITES does need reform, but that Zimbabwe is kind of using CITES and this member nation um Added a format of CITES that it's kind of volunteer that um, and that CITES seems to have no teeth in stopping this. Help us understand how this transfer of 24, but really 200 elephants was able to take place. Okay, so as you've said, um, the the elephants in Zimbabwe come under Appendix Two, which is governed by a thing called Article Four. And in Article 4, there are some, some, some um, rules, really, um, about how you can go about capturing these, these animals and sending them somewhere. One of them is called is 2B, which stipulates that in catching these animals, you cannot break any national laws that are in place for the protection of your flora and fauna. Now, our national law that is in place is a thing called Statutory Instrument 1909. And in our Statutory Instrument 1909, which is called the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Act, there is a, a, um, there's a point 12.1, which says it refers to the access that must be given to an inspector, an animal welfare inspector, if they have good reason to believe that there's possibly been any contravention of of a cruelty to animal act 1909 in other words that perhaps catching these ele- in catching these elephants they may well have been um, a breach of our prevention of cruelty to, to animals act they have a right by law 
to enter in to see how they are at the pens, whether they're being fed properly, how they're being caught. They actually have a right by law to do that. Now, we, uh, the animal welfare organizations, tried to get access to these elephants uh, for the last seven months, and they were refused. Um, some of our SPCA people went and sat at national parks trying to get interviews about them. Uh, our, our welfare organization called VORS wrote a letter, wrote several letters trying to get access to these elephants and at all times were denied any interviews at all. So they did not, they did not consult with the people who are empowered to decide whether the, uh, the elephants were captured in a, in a manner that, was, uh, th- that did not amount to cruelty. And the whole, pro- the whole process of capturing these elephants was done under complete secrecy, uh, a lockdown, basically. And so, therefore, we can't – CITES basically, in accepting or providing certificates, I think fell short in, in that they accepted the Zimbabwean uh, authority – to say, yes, we, we, we did this, we're happy with this. Um, but in fact, they didn't check to see whether our actual national law, which pertains to 1909, had been complied with. And nobody contacted our welfare organizations to say, guys, are you happy that, that, that this, is, this is all above board? And the question is why? That's because our national welfare organizations also come under the same ministry as national parks, and it comes under the same ministry as the the people who are getting the money for these elephants. So they are not independent. Our welfare organizations are not independent of our Ministry of Environment, which is in charge of the the statutory instrument 1909, Prevention of Cruelty to Act, and also of, um, of, of even saying, right, you've got a certificate to be an inspector. They can decide who is going to be an inspect an inspector as well, and they can decide whether to invite those inspectors in or allow those inspectors in. So there's no form of independence here, even though we have got an, a very good act, a very good prevention to, of cruelty to a, uh, act there, which empowers our inspectors to go in. But of course, the minister is also the one who uh, can say, "Well, we're happy. We're we're happy with the, the way it was done." So, because he is in charge of, of the act. So right here is the rub. This is where the um, the trickiness, corruption, um, conflict of interest, and the ability to be opaque rather than trans- transparent can happen. This is where it all falls apart. So when big money is involved and you've got a conflict of interest by um, the same authority that allows the trade and collects the money to be the same authority that controls welfare, there's a lot of room for laws to be um, sidelined. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. And what, I, what, I, what we need to do is we need an independent organization which is uh, completely, it does not rely on the minister to give someone a certificate or to withdraw their certificate. And uh, we haven't got that. So the one side we haven't quite covered here is 
there's been a lot of information on Facebook, um, the, the Internet. You can find a lot of information of some of the other sort of murky double dealings going on in this sale of these 200 elephants, the 24 of which have already been transferred to China. And there's been some uh, photographs leaked of the conditions that they're in. But we'll save that for a minute. But there is a place here that we're not quite covering. And I don't know whether you want to get into it. Just tell me to move on if this is not something you want to get into. That um, there's some double dealing uh, in terms of business and profiteering by China um, and covering some debt or business deals that the Zimbabwean individual government members might be involved in. There's a woman, I don't know her name, a Chinese woman that's connected to a um, leather or animal food-based trade that um, has is playing a big role. And she's the one that was actually doing the dealing of the purchase of these elephants. Do you want to go there? Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is that the Chinese are very involved in Zimbabwe. And uh, the the head of the Chinese trade delegation has been linked with being a person who is very high up in the wildlife trade business. And she was at the airport when these elephants were departed for China. And she, as you said, uh, was running a, a factory in one of our local areas called Marandera where they were uh, dealing in all sorts of skins. And we, are, we have reason to believe that she is uh, also involved in many, many different deals uh, involving elephants, involving all sorts of animals. Um, one of the reports we had about um, a young leopard that was captured also while these uh, elephants were in the boat, being so-called tamed, there was. There's also a, a, a whole pride of lions. That's a wild pride of lions that has uh, that was captured and put in a pen close by. And the next thing, a young leopard was also caught and stupidly placed in a pen right next to the lions. Well, anyone who knows leopards and lions knows that the the lion is the mortal enemy of a young leopard. And that young leopard died within three days of shock because it did not understand that these lions right next to it um, could not get at it uh, through the mesh. It was a they're both they were all wild creatures we're talking about here. Now there's an order for all sorts of animals, and this lady is uh, has been linked with uh, trade and also the, the 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 killing of a huge population of elephants in Tanzania as well. And she's been monitored, has been flying to Tanzania almost weekly for three years. And Tanzania have lost 75% of their elephants in the last three years. And this lady lives right in Harare. And we have it on good authority that she is actually operating ivory carving machines right in Harare. Uh, just recently, we had a, uh, a, a, a whole cache of um of hats that were found in at Durban, Durban uh, internet at the at the uh, the Durban docks, where they found that inside these peak this big co uh, container of so-called peak caps, there was a beautifully carved uh, elephant uh, tusk, 
and it had come from Zimbabwe. And we've made a connection between that elephant tusk and this carving business that is going on right in the center of Harare. Um, and it is the, the lady who is the, in charge of our trade delegation here. And she has personal friends with our first lady. And, and so we're talking about the highest echelons uh, where this, this whole wildlife trade is going on. The very highest echelons of our country. You bring up a really important point right here today, and this is what we've also covered on this program through several experts in understanding, that it's no longer the, the, the poor local person who's going in and shooting an elephant. This is big, big business. It is number three on the international money-making scale, next to gun running, drugs, uh, human trafficking. It's gone up from oil to wildlife, the illegal wildlife trade, and even the wild, legal wildlife trade, which is questionable, and that's CITES, the Convention of International Trade on Endangered Species of Flora and Fauna. CITES is a trade organization. So they're not necessarily geared toward welfare, and that's sort of how this, uh, I'm going to just say it, sliminess was able to happen. Um, so this leads us to CITES needs some reform, which we'll talk about on another episode. But what you're talking about here is... There's routes here. We've got trade routes here for illegal wildlife trafficking, and they're very much in bed with the highest echelons of government. It's not the poor people. It's not um, Jane Doe and John Doe killing elephants one-off. This is big business, and it's at the highest levels of government. That's absolutely correct. So how do, we've got a, a few minutes here to break. So... Um, We've got some double double dealings going on. We've got some shadiness going on. You personally have met with several of the, the ministers of these various organizations. You have ties and links to um, proper welfare inspectors, proper management, and ways to do trade, if that's what has to happen, on a good way. But what, as we talked about at the beginning of this program, and we will pick it up after the break, there are alternatives. So let's get in here for the next couple of minutes, how we can, where these alternatives lie, lay, um, as opposed to exporting live elephants and keeping this opaque, and what it's going to require in a sh major shift that would involve Zimbabweans and the government to turn things around. Uh, not only in an international reputation, but within Zimbabwe. We've got about two minutes. Why don't you give us a little hint and then we'll step away for a break. Okay, Elia. You know, there's there's some very good solutions there. Um, elephants are a huge opportunity for local people in Zimbabwe. If you happen to be lucky enough to live around a national park, um, if we could put in some innovative solutions, we could make sure that the people living close to these national parks would have Im immense benefits from having elephants in their backyard. At the moment, all we hear is the negative things, that having an elephant near you is going to cause them, they're going to damage your crops, or we're going to have someone killed by an elephant. Instead of looking at the opportunity that an elephant gives uh, by, by using innovative thinking, um, and having, for example, if we decide to, to open up corridors that were traditional corridor, corridors for these elephants outside of these parks, 
you could have uh, eco lodges that were built in non-traditional areas where uh, the local people can benefit in terms of jobs, in terms of being trackers. We, we've got all sorts of amazing ideas coming up um, in terms of even how to uh, how to grow your crops in a way that they are safe from elephants. So there's there's amazing new ideas that are coming out there where people can totally benefit from having wild elephants in their backyard instead of uh, th- looking at them and saying, you know, these things are going to be destructive. So what and we're it's looking that at- new thinking that we need. So what we're looking at, we have to cut away to awake. We're, we're going to try and find ways, and Jane's going to help us understand the alternatives, talking about what we just brought up. So stick with us. We've got a, a great set of solutions coming up in the next section. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Museums are great places to work and wonderful places to visit. But are they essential? How can we improve our museum practice so that museums remain vital and essential players in society? Listen for Museum Life with host Carol Bossert, where each week we'll discuss timely and topical issues of concern to the museum community. Museum Life can be heard live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up, our forests don't grow, our communities go hungry, our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect, it's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. 
If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. So, my guest Jane and I, uh, Jane Hai and I, have been discussing what's been going on in Zimbabwe with the capture and export of these 24 baby elephants, and they are baby elephants. They're elephant children. Why it's not good in a modern contemporary world and uh, the the um, underbelly of what's happening in the wildlife trade, how deeply enmeshed China and Zimbabwe, but Zimbabwe is not alone in this enmeshment and embeddedment with China. But what we're going to talk about in this last section is these things can be turned around and they can be turned around rather quickly as long as some things change like secrecy, um, this benchmark of money, 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 because Jane, I'm going to ask you a question. This money from these elephants, technically it's said it's going to go back into conservation. We seem to understand it doesn't because there's still deep poverty in the buffer zones and the people that live around the parks. So before the break, we were talking about uh, innovative uh, solutions, and Zimbabwe has people that can do this. Tell us some of what can be done, but more importantly, what it would really take, not necessarily more importantly, what it would take to make this shift and why it has to happen now. Okay, um, Ellie, no, Zimbabwe is very blessed with um, some incredibly highly skilled people in terms of wildlife capture, in terms of management of elephants. I mean, we, we are talking about um, still having an abundance of elephants in Wangi. That's something to be proud of. Let's not forget that. We have an abundance. Selling 200 elephants doesn't touch sides on our, on our population there. We've got an abundance of elephants in Wangi. We've also got very skilled people and and people who are dedicated and have been dedicated to to the elephants and to all of our wildlife. They are there. They need to be given the opportunity to step in here and come up with solutions that are transparent and that are accountable. And unfortunately, we've got a group of people um, who are involved in this wildlife trade with the Chinese that are they are not interested in being uh, transparent. They are not interested in being uh, accountable to people, because basically they are very corrupt. And uh, until so, they look at anyone like me. I'm looked on with great suspicion. Um, I have been coming to going to ministry not to say stop catching these elephants, even though personally I am I'm horrified at the thought of a wild baby elephant being pulled away from its family and sent to a zoo in, in, in China. It absolutely horrifies me. But that doesn't matter. My opinion actually does not matter. What matters here really is how are we going to deal with this population of elephants in Wangi? And there are amazing new solutions because we have new knowledge on elephants. We have wonderful new knowledge on elephants. And that is that they can move and that they do move. They don't stand there and eat themselves out of house and home if you can give them an opportunity to move. Now, that opportunity to move also is an opportunity I see as for the people who are in those areas where those elephants are going to go through, those corridors, if you like. We can look with new ideas, new solutions as to how to make things good for the elephant and also for the people. 
And Zimbabwe is blessed with a lot of amazingly skilled people and people who are very passionate about their wildlife. And I believe we can come up with those solutions that allow elephants and people to coexist in a way that we have never, ever imagined can be done. In the in the past, it was just elephants meet people. We're looking at shoot the elephant, you know, destruction of crops. That is not that is not the way forward. And I can see that that if we look at this with a new a, a new approach, we can we can find those solutions where people and elephants benefit from being around each other. And that has never been looked at in that way before. So across Africa, these new solutions are being implemented. Um, Transfrontier parks, there's the one in South Africa, from Namibia to um, Botswana into, I thought, Zimbabwe, but certainly South Africa. And Transfrontier parks are a very big thing. It requires international cooperation. It requires openness. And it requires bringing in um, space for creative people to um, let, let loose their ideas and build on these ideas with other countries where it's been successful. And um, you also are involved in a youth program. And you've got VAWS, the vet uh, the vet organization you work with. So there are things in place. What is it going to take to crack this egg in Zimbabwe from this closed system of the benchmark wealth, wealth, wealth for the few to um, bringing in people? What's it going to take? Is it going to take a new government? Um, is it going to take uh, Mugabe leaving? Uh, is there a way to work with this government um, internationally, what can we people do rather than just keep vilifying and wagging fingers and pointing and yelling at Zimbabwe? How can we, and Zimbabweans, how can we, the international community, um, help support Zimbabwe to say there are other directions? What's it going to take? <laughs> Ellie, you know, it, it comes down to the politics, eh? Um, unfortunately, the people that we've got running the country right now are not interested in being told what to do by America or by folks like me who are, you know, I'm just looked on as a colonial relic, all right, personally, myself. I'm a colonial relic. Any suggestion I make is, uh, it's just, it's a joke. They don't want to be told what to do. They are not interested in listening to ideas of uh, white Zimbabweans. That's just, you know, you walk in the door of ministry environment, you're basically the enemy. You might be coming to them with the most constructive idea ever, which I believe I, I have, which is, you know, I'm not trying to say don't do this. I'm just trying to say, can you try to do this in a way which will do less damage to the to the reputation of our country and to the reputation of our national parks and in and it might also have a little spin off in helping a few baby elephants to actually suffer a little bit less but none of this is is of any interest to the clique of people at the top of our government who are running the show so, and, and so you know you're you're talking about yeah what can kind, I say? you're kind of talking about a racism all over again i thought we were through with that um, black, white, and you don't listen to white people in colonialism. We're past neo-colonialism. We're past it's only whites and, and, and the blacks can't do it. We now know 
there, it, it's not about race. It's not about the color of the skin. It's about what's inside the brain. So education of anybody allows for creative, creative thinking. So you work with a youth group. So how do we build up the Zimbabweans who would be listened to the bulk of Zimbabwean population to help switch this mentality that we will not be told to do and what to do and a government that feels it has its back up against the wall and is kind of childishly retaliating. Um, how, how do you build up with the youth groups and with international communities to get the government's back away from the wall and open up a, a corridor of exchanging, ex, ex, exchange and creative thinking? Will it happen? What would, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I think it'll I just really think it's going to take some time. Um, Do elephants you know, have we, time? Those of us, I'm, no, th- th- those those elephants, uh, the 24 have gone already, and there'll be another 24 or 30 captured shortly. I mean, we're talking about uh, a five to six year program of capturing wild elephants and sending them to zoos in 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 in, in China. It's 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 going to happen. But so, talking, my hope so you're saying that, we've got three years, maybe, to turn this around so that we can stop this six-year program. I mean, if you want to look at it that way from the maybe other side. So that means we have to get yeah, I, I, we we need we need to keep talking. We need to keep um, suggesting ways of making this much more transparent, of making this much more, um, well, in the hands of Zimbabweans, I mean, I would be very interested to know exactly where the money for those 24 elephants went. You know, if I knew that it was going, if I was sure it was going into an anti-purging campaign, I would not be putting my life on the line to fight against it. Because then I would think, well, okay, it's an anti-purging campaign. Uh, and that will save very, very, you know, we all love elephants, but I know that in Zimbabwe we have a massive elephants. We have a lot of elephants in Wangi, but what we have many other animals such as pangolins and such as lions, wild lions, that are really desperately in need of help. So if I was to think that 24 elephants going to China might help us to save some pangolins, might help us to save some wild lions, um, then I would be less, less active on, on, on fighting this. But I don't know that. I don't know where the money for these 24 elephants are. And I do know that there's another 170 elephants that are going to be caught. And, and, and I don't know where that money's going. And until I know where that money's going, I'm going to keep fighting this. Because we need to know where it's going. Um, and, and until it is, until we do know, and I think that's the way to go, is that we all keep insisting on transparency. And we keep insisting on knowing what is happening. And, and until we, we, we know what is happening and we know where this money is going, then we just keep fighting it. So until then, we don't know where the money's going. Um, we know there's a lot of money in Zimbabwe. They have high value in terms of live elephants. And as we've talked about, bringing up a, um, a, an education and a conflict resolution that elephants don't automatically equate to conflict. So therefore, let's get rid of them and... China and the government or this higher echelon of individuals personally benefiting. It needs to be opened up so that the country of Zimbabwe 
actually benefits. If elephants are going to be traded under CITES, first it needs to be cleaned up, um, better definitions and a reform of CITES, and allow your wildlife inspectors in to know what's going on. Open this up, shine a light in here, and this means the world. You, my listeners, need to keep the pressure on, but not necessarily vilifying Zimbabwe, but bringing up solutions, right? Absolutely. I mean, let's let's be honest. This this these elephants are a resource. They're a resource and they are Zimbabwean, uh, or let's call it African, because a lot of those elephants move to Botswana. They're part of a big population, a meta population. They're not necessarily belonging to Zimbabwe, but they're a resource of Africa. And what we need to do is keep looking for better ways of making sure that this resource is used sustainably and it's used to benefit the future generations of Zimbabweans, not these corrupt people who are dealing with uh, people who are in the in the illegal wildlife trade, these Chinese people who are unscrupulously just raping and pillaging this country of its wildlife, and uh, that's a so new colonialism right there. It's Chinese colonialism. Does not does Zimbabwean officials do they not see that? They only see dollars. Wow, this is this is just really astonishing that in this day and age that we have such um, backward thinking. I'm just going to call it backward thinking. And it really is a new kind of colonialism. It's not the British. It's not the European. China is a world power these days, and they are really pushing their weight around, and they have money. Every country on earth is invested with China. But what we need to do is open it up and call on a global scale – a state of the earth. Elephants are not are an African resource because that's where they, they live. We only have them elsewhere because of trade and capture. And we know so much more that this is not good. So, Jane, we have like two minutes left. What would be your final takeaway that our listeners, an action they could take? You've got a Facebook page. Well, I you've really got think- laws, And um, you've got a... Um, a blog and a bulletin going on. Where are some of the places we can find you? This my guest is again is Jane Hi H A I G H, and there is a Facebook page called Veterinarians for Animal Welfare in Zimbabwe, and uh, there is Zim Elephants at Gmail dot com where you can follow along on this conversation and take constructive action. So Jane. One minute left. What what is what is your nutshell here? Well, I just want to. Uh, I would just encourage everybody to please keep the pressure on in in terms of the conversation about is it appropriate to take wild creatures out of an, a wild environment where they are supposed to be protected? This was a national park. This is a national park. One small place that we've given to wild creatures to live their lives without us interfering with them. One small place. And we have gone in there and ripped these baby elephants from their herds to go and send into small walled places for people to look at where they stand in a cage for the rest of their lives, 20, 30 years. This is, this is not okay. And I don't think that the majority of Zimbabweans, if they understood what was happening, 
the local Zimbabweans on the ground would not be satisfied uh, with this. And so I'd just like to say to everybody to keep trying to learn about why elephants are not suited for zoos. If everybody could just understand why a wild elephant is uh, to send it to a zoo, it's just, it's it's not okay. That animal is not going to a good, a place where it can live a sane life. We, let's just keep the pressure on that and let's just keep everyone talking about that issue. So the goal here, everybody, my listeners, our wild world has a place. Keep the pressure on, educate yourself. Stay in touch and in tune with the issues that are going on today. Without education, without awareness, we will not move forward. I'm sorry, Jane, thank you so much for your, your time today. Thank you, Ellie. Thanks it's for been having an excellent, me on the show. It's been an excellent conversation, and hopefully we can do this again as things move along. And I'm sorry, everybody, we're out of time. This is Ellie Weiss, my guest, Jane High. Look her up, and this is our wild world. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us this week. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Our Wild World with your host, Ellie Weiss, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think about living with wildlife during the coming week and what you can do right now.